as far as uh, men's retreat, women's retreat, or ladies' retreat is, uh, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be men's summit. I keep on referring it to retreat. I don't know about you, but sometimes you just want to retreat anyways. But anyways, but a ladies' retreat uh, is September 10th through the 12th. Uh, the cost of that, Alicia, is I think around 140. Is that is that right, Miss uh, Miss Rose? About 140, 150 or so. So talking about uh, with my wife or Miss Rose about that um, as well. Uh, this sun, uh, today is the first Sunday of the month. So today is Mission Sunday, and so Mission Sunday. You know, how many of you know that we need people to take the gospel wherever, right? No matter, what, no matter where it is, even if it's across the street, we need to take the gospel across the street. We need to take it across the seas. And so um, we want to pray for the missionaries. Also, if you, have, if you made a faith promise with that, like my wife said, uh, please uh, put that in the, in the box um, out, uh, out there as well. But let's pray over the offering. Let's pray for our missionaries. And uh, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray that... I pray for our missionaries. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts about those things that, uh, for our missionaries. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever, uh, whatever you've put in our hearts to give to them, because, Lord, as much as they are going and preaching the gospel and, and doing those things, Lord, they also need to be able to uh, have places to, to live and, and food to eat and, and those things as they are there uh, working full time. And so, Lord, we ask that... Um, you would put that in the forefront of our minds. Lord, I pray that you would bless our offering to the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I, amen. Before I get started this morning, you know, how many of you know that yesterday was the 4th of July? If you didn't realize it, uh, some people put on Facebook that they thought it was World War III happening, so... I'm sorry that was one of us because we were out there shooting them off just like everybody else. So, but we did it at around 9 o'clock, so we did it hopefully in time for you to, to get to bed. But here's the thing. What I wanted to do is I want to pray for our nation. The Bible says in uh, Psalm chapter 33, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. Now we read that and we go, Amen, Amen. God, uh, you know, we know that the United States of America... If you've done any kind of American history, was founded upon God's principles, God's word, but we know that nowadays it's gone far from it. It's gone far from God's word. It's gone far from um, knowing that God is the Lord because that's the reason why we have so much unrest in our nation. That's the reason why we have all the rioting and looting is because everybody's doing their own thing. And if you look at any other nation, that has turned their back on the Lord, what happens? They have unrest. They have start having, you know, looting and uh, wars and people fighting each other and everything else. And I wanted to read this out of Psalm 85. In the midst of that, in Psalm 85, it says, it says this. Will you be angry with us forever? He is speaking to the church. Will you draw out your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. Show us mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I want to hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not return again to folly. This is the thing, is that you'll have people come out and they, 
they'll talk about how this nation was birthed in rebellion and all this other stuff. It was, it was birthed in, in defiance towards tyranny. And the thing is, is that most people don't want that tyranny part. They just want to go on there and say everything is wrong in the world. All right? The thing is, is that in the midst of this, what does it say? It says, will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again? That's what the church needs. That's what America needs. Out of that, I mean, when America started, there was revivals that happened. There were people coming to know the Lord. That means, like, that the liquor stores were closing down. That means all the rioting and looting was started, you know, all that, all that stuff stopped. Why? Because everybody realized that they were responsible for their own actions. But more importantly than that, that God, that there was a God, that there is a God, and that no matter what, he was watching and that, you know, the thing is, is that when we realize that, oftentimes we stop doing the foolish things because we know that we are responsible for what we need, uh, of, you know, for, for our actions and what our neighbor needs. Amen? And so this morning, let's pray, like I said, over the, the birthday of our nation. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that this nation was birthed, Lord, out of, Lord, out of those that desire to, to get away from tyranny, from those that were persecuting them over in, in, in England, in, in Great Britain, that this nation started uh, that way to break away, that there was a place for freedom, that there was a place that we would have free speech, freedom of religion. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would revive us again. But I pray that the church would have a hunger like never before, that they would realize that they need to get serious. Not just our church, not just... Um, but the churches across this nation, across this world, need to realize that we need you. That we cannot keep on going on and thinking that God is blessing America when we've turned our backs on America. That we, when we stop trusting in America. Lord, help us that we would trust in you, believe in you, but most importantly that we share the gospel with our neighbor. Because it doesn't matter what, uh, what sports team we like, no matter what sport we follow, no matter... If our garden is doing well or whatever, the, the thing that matters is that we love you and that we trust you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now that as we get ready to uh, hear from your word, I pray that the seed of your word would fall upon the good soil, the good and fertile soil in our soil, Lord, Lord, that it would go down deep and it would spring forth a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could play that, uh, that video for me. And answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, 
Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself, and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed. Last week we talked about, uh, we asked the question, who's your daddy? We asked whether or not you are following what the Bible says, what Jesus says, if we believe that is true, if we, uh, we truly believe that what this, you know, that the Bible is true, that we believe that 100% of this is true, or the fact that we want to believe the lies of the enemy, the, the lies of the world, the lies of our friends. How many of you know that oftentimes our friends don't necessarily tell us the whole truth? Because sometimes, you know, we'll sit there and go, how dare you say that about my friends? You know, you don't know my friends that are 100% truthful. But you know what? We cannot trust in man. We cannot trust in man. We, we cannot trust in the, necessarily in those around us. I'm not saying that you go around and you're, you're questioning everything that they're doing. I'm just saying that we go to God's word and we trust God what God's word says as opposed to what friends say, what family says, what the world says. Because ultimately, they can be manipulated. If we think that... We cannot be manipulated by the devil because we're saved and we're sorely mistaken because we know that when Jesus was tempted in the desert, what did Satan use to tempt Jesus? He used his own words against him. And so do we think that we're actually better that Satan can't tempt us with God's word when Satan tried to use God's word against Jesus, who is God? I mean, that's the thing that we need to realize is that that's why we need to know God's word. We need to realize that Satan's going to do everything and anything to get you to hell, right? He's going to do everything possible. He doesn't like you. He doesn't want you to. He wants everything about Satan, wants you to be defiant towards God. Why? Because you know what? Satan has the pride, thought he was going to be God, and that's what got him cast out of hell. I mean, sorry, cast out of heaven into hell. That's the, that's the thing that we need to realize, that he's going to do everything no, uh, in his power. He doesn't care how old you are, how long you've been a, a, a believer or not. He, everything about you, as long as you're taking breath, he wants you to defy God. And if he can get you to question his word, that's like the first step of, of going down. I mean, how many times, I don't know how many times in the past few months I've heard of, uh, of, of music groups, Christian music groups, where the person will come out and say, I don't believe in God anymore. Or a pastor coming out and saying, I don't believe in God anymore. Do you know where it started? It was doubting God's word. They doubted that it was uh, the word of God. That's where it started. And so if he can get you to doubt what his word says, that it's not true, that it's not 100% true, that's where he's going to go. And that's where he's going to Because if he can get you to go, hmm, did he really say that? Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where he, he got you know, man and, and woman to doubt his word? I mean, that's what he wants to do. That's all a side note because that's not in my notes, but I'm just giving you that right now is the fact that he wants you to doubt God's word. When you read this, do you go to his word saying, you know what, I want God's word to conform to my thought? Or do you go to God's word saying, God, I want God's word to conform my thoughts and transform my thoughts and to transform my life? Do you want to change God's word and make it, make it to where it, it, it makes you feel better about yourself? Because how many know that you can tell somebody the truth and it actually can hurt without the person maliciously trying to do it? We are, we are not to share the gospel. We are not to share God's word to maliciously offend somebody. But we are to share the truth and that will offend people. All right? Does that make sense? If you're going here, 
That's why I find it funny. Like, there's some times where I preach where I see, you know, all of a sudden I hit a point and it must have, been, it must have struck something in, the, you know, in their mind and they, like, elbow their spouse and going, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. And it's like, um, no, that's, that's like maliciously trying to get them to follow the truth. You're going, listen to this. I don't need to hear it, but you do. I mean, that's just trying to be honest this morning, you know. And here's the thing is, is that as we go through this, you know, like I said, we're going to end up, we're ending John chapter 8 today. This is the end of it. And then obviously next week we'll go into John chapter 9. But what I want you to do is look at John chapter 8, verses 40, uh, verse 48. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the statement of I am. I am. Two small words, three letters, uh, you know, combined but it is a powerful, powerful statement that Jesus is making, and we're going to see that here in a moment. But John chapter 8, verse 48, the Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto them, Say we not, uh, yeah, sorry, say we not, well, that you are a Samaritan and have a devil. So what are they? They're accusing Jesus of being unclean. They're accusing him of being demon-possessed or having a devil. That's what they're trying to do. And the thing is, is the reason, why are they saying this? Look back at verse 47 from last week that says, He that is of a God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. They are mad because Jesus flat out says, you're not of God. You're not saved. You think you're good with God. You're not saved. You're not. You're not even hearing what I'm saying. You're not even hearing what the Bible says. You think you know the Old Testament. You think you know that covenant. And you, you're not. You're not even saved. He says, you're not even saved. He says, you're not even hearing me. And they're saying, well, you have a devil. I mean, how many times has... I mean, you know that if you ever see kids arguing about something, and the thing is, is that one of them has a point, and I say children, because sometimes adults can act like children, is the fact that you can have someone making a valid point and actually saying, this is telling the truth, not trying to, you know, I'm going to win this battle, I don't care, I'm going to win it no matter what, but actually telling the truth, saying this is what's going on. And what does the person do? What does the kid do? The kid will come back and say, well, you did this like five years ago. This is what they're doing. They're, they're like, uh, well, you're, you're, you have a devil. I mean, that's what they want to do. You know, it's, it's, they're trying to totally deflect what God's word says, what Jesus is telling them. Now, I want to remind you that the ones that are accusing Jesus think that they know God's word. They may have it memorized because, let's be, if you don't know anything about it, you know, at this time, they memorized the Old Testament. And you go, that's a lot. Yeah, they memorized the entire Old Testament. So like I memorized it, you know, I, I know what it says. And how many, of you, how many times have you ever ran into somebody and said, well, I've read the Bible cover to cover, like uh, cover to cover like 50 times. I think I know what it says, but yet they're living like a heathen. You can read it and not get it. That's what is happening here. They're like, what are you talking about? I've, I've got that thing memorized. I already know. God's word, that's the amazing thing about God's word. I can read God's word. I can read the same verse a hundred times. And that hundred and first time, something speaks to me differently. The Lord, the Holy Spirit just does that. It's amazing. It's powerful, right? Thank you for that hand clap. I like it. How many of you love the, you know, love the babies in the, you know, in the service? 
Because sometimes we can sit there and go, well, they're being a little loud. No, I, you know what? We're a Pentecostal church. They're over there shouting, and it's okay. That shows that there's life in the church. Because if there's no babies in this church, if there's no babies in this church, the church is going to die. I'll just tell you that right now. Amen. So I just, I love that. Thank you, Big Mama. Thank you. Let's, look at, uh, let's go, uh, look at what the Bible says in verses 49 through 51. It says this. Jesus answered and says, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you, do honor, uh, you dishonor me. And I seek not uh, my own glory. There is one that seeks and judges. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you keep my saying, he shall never see death. This is one of the things that I want to, to look at. Is it, it says, there is one that seeks and judges. All right? In verse 50, who is this? Who is he referring to? He's referring to God, right? Is Jesus God? Yes. Does Jesus ever say, did he ever say that he wouldn't judge people? People will say, well, let's find out. John chapter 5, verse 22, uh, 20 through 23 says this. For the Father loves the Son and show, uh, shows him all things that himself does. And he will show them greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom he will. For the Father judges no man. See, in here, uh, what did he say? He, says, he said what? He said that the Father judges and I don't. I'm going to get to you know, the reason why this sounds, you know, some people say, well, he's just he's contradicting himself. He's not. For the uh, Father judges no man, but, ha uh, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. Who's the Son? Jesus. He's committed what? All judgment. That all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son, or sorry, yeah, he that honors not the Son honors not the Father, which has sent him. And so we look at this, Jesus is allowed to judge, and the thing is, is that oftentimes believers think, because what's the first thing that a non-Christian, or even a Christian, will say? You don't judge. You have no right to judge. Bible says, and the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. But if you read the rest of it, what does it say? It says, you are to judge with what? Righteous judgment. It's, not, it's talking about the fact that we're not supposed to judge one another by the way that they look. That's what he's referring to. He's saying we need to judge righteous judgment. We need to judge by what you're doing or not doing. If, it, if we're supposed to be doing it, we are, uh, as believers, as bl brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, you're, you come up to me and say, you know, Pastor, I noticed, you know, not, you don't come up, like I say, with malicious offense trying to say, well, you didn't do this. You're, what kind of pastor are you? But you would come up and you would just say, hey, Pastor, I noticed that the Bible says this and I haven't really seen that. And then we can just sit there and discuss it. We could talk about it. And the thing is that if I'm wrong, which I have been wrong, you know, once before. Um, no, a lot more than that. Because the thing is, is that we need to know God's word and what it says, right? We all want to grow in the Lord, right? Here's what it says in John chapter uh, 8, verse 51. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying... He shall never see death. What is he saying? Keep my saying. He's saying, keep my words, keep my doctrine, keep my teaching, cause, motive, intent. What is he saying? He says, continue in my word. He's saying, follow my word, keep them. Why? Because I want you to have rest. 
We talked about that a few weeks ago, that the fact that when we continue in his word, when we abide in his word, when we keep his word, when we keep all those things, and this is what he wants you to do, that we have rest. When we go outside of that, that's when we have unrest. That's the reason why when, you know, if we sin, there is unrest because we went outside of what his word said. But when we go, we, we repent, we ask him for forgiveness, what happens? Peace and rest come back. He, he's still telling them. He's still at this point, you know, trying to say, you know what, you need to keep, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. What is he saying? If you follow me, what do you get? You get heaven in return. How can we lose in this entire situation? So many people, you know, uh, don't like what God's word says. They don't like it at all. And the thing is, is that Jesus wants to change us. Why? Because that way we're with him forever. And that we have peace and rest. People are like, I don't want peace. I don't want rest. I'll get it my own way. The Bible says in uh, verses 52 and 53, it says this. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if, I, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, whom you make yourself? Like I said, I need to remind you that these are the same people a few verses ago in this conversation believed on Jesus Christ. They said that they, that they believed in him. And it wasn't until Jesus said, you know, if you want to be my disciples, keep my word. Continue in my word. Abide in my word. Trust in my word. Trust in me. They didn't like that. They wanted to believe in a man rather than God. They believed on him. They loved everything he said. He said, hey, man, if I believe in him, I'm going to get to go to heaven. I'm going to get to go be with him. But then as soon as Jesus said, you know what, continue in my word and you're going to have rest, they're like, oh, wait a second. I don't want, uh, what are you talking about? They don't want, they, they realize what he's getting at. Because when he says it, what is he implying? He's implying that he is God. He's implying that he is God, that he is saying it. And the thing is that in a moment, he's going to flat out say it. When people say, well, Jesus never said, I am God. Yes, he did numerous times. The thing is, is that we're just not looking for it. Jesus was before, he was during, he was after. He's been the beginning, he's from the end, he's the alpha, he's the omega. Why? Because he is God. Jesus knows all why, because he's God. While he walked this earth, he was fully God and fully man. They never did they separate. There's this doctrine out there that says that Jesus is not God, that when he came to earth, that all he did, he was just fully man, and that was it. And that God the Father was up in heaven, but Jesus was just man. Did you ever notice... And I said this earlier, did you ever notice where their faith is? Because look, what does it say in 52? Or sorry, 53, it says, Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets who are dead? Their faith is not in God. Their faith is in man. It's in man. 
And the, thing, the funny thing is, is that the prophets and Abraham did what? They spoke of Jesus. And yet they're, they're not trusting in what they said. They're just trusting that, hey, well, I'm a descendant of Abraham. They're trusting in their ethnicity, their, their family tree. That's what they're doing. That's what they're following is that they're trusting. Well, I was born a Jew, so that means I'm going to go to heaven because God loves me more than you because of my ethnicity, my skin color, my whatever. And it's the furthest thing from the truth because you know what? As I said earlier, God loves, loves every shade of skin color. He, he loves diversity. He loves you know, every single family out there. You know why? Think about this. How many different kinds of bugs are there? Some say too many. Somebody had the idea that only a good, you know, good bug is a dead bug. How many different kinds of trees are there out there? How many different kinds of animals out there? How many different kinds of birds? You have birds. There's not just one kind. There's thousands of them. Why? Because God loves diversity. If he wanted everything the same, it would be a boring world. A dull world. But God loves diversity. And they're trusting in man. They're trusting in themselves. This is what the Bible says in verses 54 through 56 says this. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my, uh, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I, say, uh, if I should say I know him not, I, I shall be a liar like unto you. Now that's a... That's an offensive statement, isn't it? He said, if I were to lie, I'd be just like you. But Jesus is just love. He doesn't ever say anything offensive to anybody, so that must just be something that I'm just reading into it, right? No, he's, he flat out, that's what he says. If I shall be a liar, like, uh, he says, I know him, you know, oh, I know him not. He says, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now, this is one of the things that I wanted to point out in here because in this conversation, he brings up both himself and the father. He does this throughout the Gospels. And people say, well, you know what, there's, obviously there's one God, but they want to go along this, this fake false heresy that's called uh, modalism. It's often known as Jesus' name only. Yes, there is a, there is a uh, church out there that has that same name. And I'm going to flat out tell you that it is. The reason why is because the Bible describes the Trinity. Yes, the Trinity, that word is not in the Bible, but it is, it is shown throughout that there is a Godhead. There's three persons in one. The concept is there because the thing is, is that if he's talking about the father and the son and they're the same person, he's schizophrenic. He's a lunatic. He's talking to himself. But here's the thing is, is that he's not, he's not talking to himself. Let's, let me look over here real, 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 real quick. Let me see here. I just want to show this. First John chapter five and verse seven says this. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. How many is there? Three. And it says, and these three are what? One. 
And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. How, many, how much more clear can a person get? The reason why it's a heresy is because you're basically saying that Jesus, uh, Jesus, God, is lying and saying that he's talking to himself, that he has to switch to a different mode in order to, to talk to himself. Now, that, if that doesn't sound like schizophrenia or being bipolar, I don't know what else is. The fact is, is that they are taking his deity and his divinity and throwing it in the trash by calling him a liar. They will never say that. It was, they will never say that this, uh, that's a problem, but it is a problem because God is revealed throughout Scripture. If you read in the Old Testament, New Testament, He is shown as three in one. Even all the way back to you know the Book of Genesis, chapter one, He is shown. He is not schizophrenic. There's three persons in one. That's how, how the Bible describes. That is the best way that we can understand that there's three persons in one. The Bible speaks of it, but yet there's people out there that say, no, it's wrong. And the, and the reason why it's even more wrong with the modalism is the fact that, that that's one more step to get people to believe in uh, Islam. I, I listened to a guy, a Muslim, explaining why the Trinity was false. And you're saying, well, that's not in there, and, and this is not it, and, and this is not that, and, and just going on. And the thing is, is that he goes, he says, but, you know, if you look at it, he goes, you know, uh, if we just basically throw out that verse that I just read, he says, Christians are just that much more closer to accepting Allah as their Savior. And that Jesus was just a prophet, that Jesus never claimed that he was God. That's why it's important to realize that there is three in one and that Jesus flat out did say it. And I'm going to show you here in a moment where he does come out and say it. He said it already in verses that we've read. But remember, verse 56, it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What is he referring to? That Abraham saw it by faith. Abraham believed in faith that it was going to happen. He said, uh, did you guys, did, do you know that if you are a believer in Christ, that you are Abraham's seed? Did you realize that? Did you know that? That you are Abraham's seed by faith. You are Abraham's seed. I can prove this to you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 says this, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. People will oftentimes use this verse and say, well, that's just for uh, the nation of Israel. The reason why I read it with the these uh, you know, in that verse is for you to realize because when it says thee, it means it's singular. That means that what is he saying? He's saying, I will uh, bless them that bless who? Abraham. Not the nation of Israel. It's bless him. He says, and those that curse you, I'm gonna, those that, that curse Abraham, I'm going to curse them. It has nothing to do with the fact of blessing Israel. It is all about, it's not about a nation. It was the fact of blessing Abraham. Why? Because it says all families through him shall be blessed. And the thing is, is that whose lineage or whose, whose line does Jesus come through? Abraham. Now, let's look at this. Like I said, it's by faith, right? Romans chapter 4, verse 3 says, For what says the scripture, uh, what says the, what's, for what says the scripture? 
Abraham believed and it was counted or reckoned to unto, uh, unto him for righteousness. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 says this, Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness or reckoned unto him for righteousness. And this, uh, James chapter 2, verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham, what? Believed God. This is all by faith. Believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So when we look at these things, the thing is, is that he's not saying, you know, just because you're a certain people, you know, that you're God's chosen people, that also, no. It says Abraham believed God, and it was, it was what? Accredited, accounted, imputed as what? Righteousness. It has nothing to do with just being a physical nation going, they're, ble they're more blessed because that's the Jewish nation. It is those that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are born again, that are Abraham's seed. Why? Because we believe God and it's accredited or it's accounted as righteousness. And then let's look at G uh, Look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 7, which is just four verses down from uh, the one that says, or I will bless thee that bless you, all right? What does it say? And the Lord appeared unto Abram, which Abraham, is be, uh, before he got his name changed, was Abram, and then became Abraham, right? And it says, unto thy seed. How many seeds are there in a seed? One. It's not multiple seeds. Will I, will I give this land and there build and he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him? I can keep it going on. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it says this Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not, and to, uh, he, and he says not, and to seeds. So what does he say? He says, Abraham and his seed, not seeds. As of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. By faith, we are Abraham's seed through Christ. It does not matter where you come from. It matters who you know, and do you know him well and love him. Amen? Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It's not the fact that we sit there and we go, you know, I'm going to go over there. And here's the, here's the strange thing and the funny thing is that you have ones that say, I want to donate to the temple fund or the temple foundation for Israel. Do you realize when you... This is a side note, not even in here. But when you say, I want to contribute to that because I'm supposed to bless Israel, no, it's just the fact that you are supposed to follow Christ. But anyways, you are helping do what? You are helping build that third temple that they want that's spoken about in, in the book of Revelation where what happens? The Antichrist comes into that temple and declares him to be God. Only thing that you're doing and helping is you're bringing about the Antichrist. You're helping bring them, you bring the Antichrist in there. Because why? Because he's going to go in there and declare that he is God. The scripture says that. Don't do it. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It, like I said, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what connections you have. Because I've met people who says, oh, I know this person and this person. i got connections. Your connection better be with the Lord. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. We don't need to bless the nation or the country of Israel. Why? Because we are the church. We are spiritual Israel. Do you realize that? Why would God ask us to bless someone that utterly despises Jesus Christ, his son, the Godhead? Because I've heard people say, well, you know what? They love uh, God the Father, but they just don't, you know, they just don't really know about Jesus. So it's okay. They're the same as us. No. The Bible says that if you deny the Son, you deny the Father also. I'm not saying that we were to go around and start hating on the Jews and saying you're haters. Because you know what? There's a whole bunch of other ethnicities out there that absolutely hate Jesus Christ. I'm just saying the fact is, is that we are the church. We are Abraham's seed. We are spiritual Israel. We don't, we don't have to bless someone that utterly despises and calls Jesus the, Ill, uh, the illegitimate son of Mary. Basically calling uh, uh, Mary a hooker. They call, Jesus, uh, they call Mary a prostitute. They said she slept around. That's how Jesus came. And here's the thing. They call Jesus the bastard child of Mary. And yet we're supposed to bless them. And when, like I said, when you're blessing them, giving into that temple fund, you're bringing about the Antichrist. You're helping the Antichrist uh, come. Whew. A little passionate about that. Verse Bible says in verse 57, it says this. Then said the Jews unto them, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Whether you're saying, it says, you're not even 50 years old. How could Jesus have seen Abraham? Here's the thing. The, the time period in between the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus was about 2,000 years. So what is Jesus making the proclamation in here? That he's God, that he's always been, that he didn't just come about because Mary gave birth to, to, to him. He's always been, he has always been, he will always ever be. He is always here, he is always with us, amen? That no matter what happens, he is God. That is what he is telling them flat out. He's like, no, no, I am God. Well, he doesn't really ever say it, does he? I mean, no, he doesn't say it, right? Verse 58, uh, the Bible says this. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. What is he saying? I am refers back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, And God said unto Moses, because Moses asked him, he said, Who shall I say sent me? God said that unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall you, uh, shall you say to the children of Israel, Abra uh, so he says, I am has sent me unto you. He is saying flat out, I am God. 
And Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, before Abraham even was or even was born or anything else, I am. I am God. That is what he said. For those that say that Jesus never said it, they need to read the Bible better because it says it right there. And it says it beforehand. So you have one saying that, no, he just called, he claimed to be a prophet or a teacher. No, he claimed also to be God. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6 says, Thus saith, uh, saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and beside me there is no God. Jesus is saying, I am him. Jesus already said that he was greater than Jacob in John chapter 4, verse 12, and now he is saying that before Abraham was, I am so he's saying that I am God, that he is God incarnate, that he is God in the flesh, that he is God no matter what, that before time even began, he's always been and he always will be, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, that he is the beginning and the end, that he is God and he is the only one that can save you. The only one. Verse 59 says this. Then took they up stones to cast at him, because, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus just proclaimed that he is God and what happens, because they, he kept on you know, trying to tell him over and over again who he is, and then finally he just came out and said it, and what do they try to do? They try to kill him. This is why I don't understand where people say, well, God is only love. Jesus is just love. Because the thing is, is that if Jesus was just loving everybody, loving whatever lifestyle that's out there, loving you, do, let you do whatever you want to do, then why would they try and kill him? But if you look at like Buddhism, Hinduism, all that kind of stuff, it's kind of whatever, you, you know, whatever makes you happy. So they have a false Jesus. They have a Jesus, the Bible talks about, it says, watch out for false Christs, right? And that's what he is telling them. That's the reason why they want to kill him, because Jesus is coming out. And, and for those that say, well, Jesus is inclusive. Yes, he is. You must follow what he, he says. You cannot just sit there and say, well, whatever I believe, Jesus just loves me in my mess. You must follow what his word says. Nowadays, if you proclaim that you're a Christian, a true a Bible-believing, born-again believer believing that the Bible is the word of God and that you believe everything in it, they might try and do the same to you. Think about it. This last week and, and beforehand, what do they want to do? They were tearing down all these you know, white supremacist statues everywhere. Kind of interesting that they only, uh, they only tore down the ones that um, founded this country, but they left like uh, Guarez, whatever his name is, the, you know, the one that said he, was in a, uh, he wanted to put all, all black people in, uh, into slavery and kill them. They left that one up. And then they also left Stalin up. He was the same way. They left all the racists up and then tore all the, uh, the non-racists down. Then in that, they set all the statues of Jesus that they're all white supremacy anyways. But the last time I checked, that when you have a, a statue that's made out of concrete, what color is it going to come out? It's a color of concrete, which is a little bit lighter shade, Right? And then they want to destroy that. They want to destroy churches. My thing is, is that I, I, I don't really have a problem with them. If they want to destroy the, the Jesus statues and say, hold on, pastor, wait a second. 
we're not supposed to, you know, have a graven image before us anyways. And we don't necessarily know what Jesus looked like. We don't know. The Bible gives us a little bit of a description. But here's the thing. Since he was, you know, Israel's over the Middle East and all that kind of stuff, Jesus probably looked a little bit more Middle Eastern. And you say, well, how does that look? Look up people of Israel. Every shade of skin color in Israel is there. So you tell me what color Jesus is. I don't know. But every single uh, shade of skin color is over in Israel, so let me tell you. Just confuses it even more so. But when they want, you know, they said they wanted to destroy the church. They didn't say they wanted to destroy mosques. They didn't say they wanted to destroy synagogues. They didn't want to destroy the, the Buddhist temples or anything else. They, what did they specifically call out? The church. And you cannot tell me that this movement that's been going on, like I said, all I believe personally, and if you're a racist, you cannot be a follower of Christ. You can't. But the thing is, I believe that this entire thing is all the spirit of Antichrist. Because it's getting one another to hate one another. That's a little extra. That's not in my notes. But here's the thing. If you are a born-again, Bible-believing, you believe everything in God's word, what does the Bible say? In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. Nice, uplifting message, isn't it? My wife and I were uh, on our way this past weekend to uh, visit her family for the 4th. And on the way up there, we are just going, man, I said, I said, think about this. I said, when Jesus said that the final days are, you know, like right before he comes, what did he say it was going to be like? He said it was going to be like the, the days of Noah. Do you remember the days of Noah? There was a worldwide flood because of all the wickedness that was going on. So it's like, okay, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, you're like, oh, okay, so it's going to be a nice, warm, comfortable time, right? And then he said it's going to be the worst thing that a humanity has ever seen right before he comes. You know that? Think about all the horrible things that have ever happened throughout mankind, and he says it's going to be worse, like the Holocaust like the genocide that's happening over in Africa. All the trials, persecutions, people getting filleted at the stake because they were not like, like a flame and yon, but they were filleted like physically at the stake because they tied them to a stake or they impaled them. These are all things that have happened. And he said, it's going to be worse than that. And then my wife's going, oh my. And I said, just wanted to encourage you that way. That's how it's going to be. I'm, not, I'm trying to tell you flat out that's how it's going to be. When, uh, if they find out you're a believer and you stand up and they say, are you a Christian? And they say, yes, that's a possibility. I'm not saying that, you know, that, I should, you know, that I'm like wishing that upon myself or upon you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says that that's what's going to happen. That's why our faith, that's why our trust needs to believe what God's word says and not what the world says. God's word needs to be just so saturated in us that no matter what comes, we say, yes, Lord. Why? Because if we die, like the Apostle Paul says, we gain Christ. If we don't, 
then we're able to bless somebody else here. But either way, we're going to win. Right? Because if we die, we are with him. The pain that we may go through is going to be temporary compared to eternity. This life is temporal. Eternity is forever. The Bible says from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus comes out and says, I am that I am. He says before Abraham was, I am. So what are we supposed to believe? Are we going to believe what the Bible says? Or are we going to believe what the world says? Jesus says, I am God. And you know what the thing is? Is that when God tells us to do something in his word that kind of maybe rubs us the wrong way, we don't change it to make it comfortable for us. We change ourselves because that's what God's word says to do. You know why? Because every time he says, don't do this, it's actually for your benefit. Do you realize that? When he says, don't commit adultery, people are like, how dare you tell me how to live my life? You know, don't fornicate, don't do this. Do you know why? Well, for one thing, there's a possibility you're going to get some sort of disease, right? Because you don't know who the other person's been with. Also, the fact is, is that people come up there and say, well, what happens if this person's better than this person and this? You don't have nothing to compare it to, right? And the thing is, is that you're, you're con and, and that's just one of the, you know, the examples. Man, I tell you, God is so, he's so mean and, and horrible that he actually wants my happiness as opposed to be always regretting and going around or the fact of, you're, you know, you, you may have that moment when you, you walk up and that person that you had been with for like, say, a couple years and you walk up and you're with your spouse now and you're going, and you're kind of like, hello, because you know the stuff that you did. And the reason why you're ashamed is because now you have your spouse there and you've probably got to tell them what, what happened. But God's mean and horrible, right? He doesn't want you to go through that guilt and shame. This is all extra. He is the I am. He created you. He designed you. He knows who you are. The thing is, is that he, and he knows how to give rest and peace. Do you know why? Because he is the Prince of Peace. He designed it, he created it. What does the Bible say? That God is not the author of confusion or chaos. He wants you to have peace. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. First and foremost, if you're not a believer in Christ, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. Everyone in this room has fallen short of the glory of God. They've all sinned. But the Bible says that we are to repent and believe the gospel. That we can be saved. And the death that we would experience in this life would not just be a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. So you, you actually die twice if you don't accept Jesus Christ. The latter part... Uh, yeah. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, so there's a payment that has to be paid, and it's going to be paid with your life. But here's the thing is that Jesus paid that ransom, gave that gift, because later on in that verse it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is something that we cannot boast about or anything else. It's not something that we can earn or whatever. We just have to trust and believe in Christ. That even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the de uh, dead, what does it say? You shall be saved. So this morning, maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. But this morning you said, you know what? I want to believe Jesus Christ. I want to repent and believe the gospel. That word repent just simply means that we're acknowledging and we're turning away from sin and we're trusting in Jesus Christ to save you. If that's you, you say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ this morning. I just ask that you would raise your hand right now. And secondly, with all the things going on in this world, with everything happening, believers, includes myself, can sit there and, and get so distracted with the things of this world. And so this, this morning, what I, want, what I want to do for the next few moments, Chastity's going to sing a song. I don't necessarily want you to sing the words. I want you to listen to them because the song's called I Am and it's speaking of who Jesus is and what he's saying to you this morning. So I want you, to, as you're searching your hearts this morning about whether or not you've trusted, fully trusted in Christ or you, or you just maybe have taken your gaze off of him, I want you to, this song to begin to speak to you about maybe those situations where you're thinking, I don't know if I can keep going on. This world's getting nuts. This world's getting chaotic. I don't know about it. But I want you to listen and to hear what God has to say to you.
future, so leave your past behind. I am the one in the midst of two or three. I am your tabernacle. I am your jubilee. I am. I am. Oh, I am. I am. I am hope. I am peace. I am joy. I am rest. I am comfort ever leave from your stress i am strength i am faith i am love i am power i am your freedom this 